Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Amen. Hey, while you're standing, grab your Bible. Give you a couple minutes to uh, take a, a look at Luke chapter 19 with me, either in your, uh, on your phone, your Bible. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We're uh, excited as we've been celebrating just those who, are, who have made a public declaration and uh, always, always an exciting moment. Uh, while you're turning to Luke chapter 19, getting into the Word today, I want to just let you know that uh, Wednesday we are having a, a Seder meal, which is a Passover meal that uh, will be here Wednesday at 6 o'clock. The dinner will start at 6, and so if you've not signed up for that, I encourage you to do that. You can do so online. And uh, we're wrapping up the seat at the table today with the sermon, but then literally together uh, at, uh, uh, at a uh, Seder meal uh, that will just celebrate the Passover together. So Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, invite you to join us, be a part of that. You already heard about point groups. Get connected in a group and grow together. And there is an event for women as well, a one-day uh, event here at the church. It's coming up in May. Look, uh, look for that in the bulletin and uh, come be a part of it. I want to talk today about Zacchaeus, and everybody knows that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Some of you wanted to say, we little man, didn't you? So uh, here's what it says. Uh, Zach, I, I, I was starting to say Zacchaeus chapter 19. I know it's Luke chapter 19 about Zacchaeus. Here's what it says. Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree because the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, how many are, are, would be willing to admit, as I'm reading this, you have the, the, uh, the Vacation Bible song going on in the back of your head that is in the, in the background sound check. Anybody have that? It's just me. I need to see somebody. Okay. Uh, just mine. Uh, I, I, I read this. I've got that song just going in my head. Um, he went to see him because Jesus was going to pass by that way. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. I love a, another translation says when he reached the spot, when he passed by, when he reached the spot, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. A notorious sinner. It's not just a sinner. It's a bad sinner because there's a good one. No. I mean, he's a bad one. He's a notorious sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said to the Lord, Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Tomorrow is tax day, by the way. That's not why we're preaching this, but I just kind of reminded myself. So that's tomorrow. Uh, he says, if I've te- cheated anybody on their taxes, we'll give it back and uh, four times as much. Verse 9, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is on mission and what he's come to do? Here's what I want you to do. As you're being seated, just high five somebody and tell them I'm coming over for dinner. Just tell them that right now. 
High five them. I'm coming over for dinner. I'm coming over for dinner. This is scary. You know, you figure if somebody's going to come over for dinner, they just figured you're a good cook. No one invites themselves over to my house. Uh, I'm coming over for dinner. That's the title I want to talk about today as we wrap up this series called A Seat at the Table that um, uh, I'm coming over for dinner. You know, there are lessons in life that you learn. Sometimes you learn in preparation for moments, and then there's some lessons you learn in the moment. Uh, I think one lesson that every child learns in the moment is one that I learned on the playground uh, 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 where I spent most of my days. Um, Just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. I got these little jingles in my head this morning. I don't know. but it was in elementary school. Uh, it was after school, though. It was a, a nice spring day, probably like we're hitting now, and, and uh, mom wanted to get us out of the house. And so after school one day, we went to the playground at the elementary school, and uh, we're playing on the playground. It was a ton of fun. It's always fun when you're a kid playing on the playground. I met a new friend. His name was Gary. Gary I'd never met before uh, because uh, he went to a different school, but he was at his grandma's house that night, and so he happened to be playing on the same playground, and so I met Gary. We were having a great time until every child hears those dreaded words. Mom says, it's time to go. How many know kids don't want to go when you're having fun on the playground? And so I thought in my creativity, I would find a way for the fun to last a little longer. So mom says, Jason, it's time to go. And I say, hey, Gary, you want to come over to my house? To which mom gently pulls me by the arm and gives me an on-the-spot lesson. I didn't know until that moment. And the lesson was this. You never invite people over to the house until you get permission from me. I had no idea. Now I know. Creativity kicks in again. I yelled back to Gary, never mind, Gary, I'll come over to your house. (laughs) To which mom pulls me back again and says, and you never invite yourself over to people's houses. Who knew? Obviously, Jesus didn't. I mean, he didn't have a mom like mine, or I don't know if he was smarter than me, where Jesus is like, hey, Zacchaeus, mom's not around, so I'm going to invite myself over to your house. You don't invite yourself over to, your, over to somebody's house. That's, that's not what you do. Is, and here's Jesus literally inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I got to go to your house tonight. I need to be a guest at your house today. I'm coming over to your house. And it might be this thing that we could think either Jesus, obviously it's not that he didn't have manners. It wasn't because he didn't learn something from his mother. In fact, it's what he learned from his heavenly father, and that is that he lives on purpose, and his purpose is this, is to seek and to save the lost. And so it's appropriate for him to invite himself over to his house because especially when you're inviting yourself over to the house of someone who would never think you would ever step foot in their home. I mean, why would Zacchaeus even think that Jesus would welcome him into his house? He's Zacchaeus. And we could talk about he's, he's short in stature. I don't believe that it's so much about his height as much as it is his condition. That he comes up short because of what's around him. He's not able to see past the crowd. Okay, he may not have been the tallest guy, but I think the crowd barrier was more than just he was a short man. It was that he came up short and not accepted. No one would let him in. He was the kind of guy that he would think nobody would want to come to his house. And here's Jesus inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house. I mean, who would ever want to spend time with Zacchaeus? Who would ever want to let, have an opportunity to come and be at his house? Who would want to be seen with Zacchaeus, number one? I mean, he's the chief tax collector. He takes advantage of everybody. Who wants to be in his company? I mean, you get associated with him. Did you see he was talking to Zacchaeus? 
Who would even want to be seen with him? And let alone, no one's letting him in the crowd. And now this man comes along and says, hey, I want to come to your house. What? You want to come to my house when no one else wants anything to do with me? And we know that Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house, not because Jesus has a need. I mean, Jesus isn't like, hey, Zacchaeus, I need to come over today. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten for a couple days. I need some food. Jesus isn't like, hey, I need a place to stay. Can I have your house? Jesus isn't coming based on his own need. When someone comes based on their own need, that's called an intruder. But when someone comes based on the person's need, that's called an intercessor. And Jesus is the ultimate intercessor who sees the need where we are, and he comes to our house based on our need, our ultimate need. What is the need? Here's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is in need of someone even to recognize him, to know him, to pay attention to him. You know, the only people who give him any good attention are the people who live in Rome and a part of the government who he works for, and the only time he sees them is when they come to collect their money, and the only relationship he has with them is because they want something from him. Zacchaeus, it's one thing to be down and out and not, and not having relationship with somebody because we know in the, old, in the in scriptures there are people who had to live in communes or, or isolated because they had leprosy. Because of their sickness, they couldn't be around people. Nobody wanted to touch them because of their impoverished condition, because of their situation. But now here's Zacchaeus. His health is fine. Everything's fine. But he's wealthy and he's rich and he's got everything he could ever want, but he's lacking everything he needs because he doesn't have relationship. Nobody wants to be with him. No one recognizes him. No one sees what's really gone on, on in his life. In fact, he can't even get through the crowd. He can't even get into an opportunity. No one wants to be seen with him. But this man, Jesus, says, I want to come over to your house. I'm coming over for dinner. I, I want to come to a place of relationship with you. This is Zacchaeus. And I don't know if there's someone today that you might feel in a place that you're stuck in an area. And, and the word that I feel this morning is to speak to someone who feels like you're trapped in life. Feels like you're trapped in, in, a, in a condition, a situation, a place that you're not able to get out of. Maybe a mindset, maybe sometimes depression, anxiety, worry, fear, a situation that seems to be repetitive and we get stuck and caught in an area. And this is Zacchaeus. He's kind of like making the best of it because he has everything he could want but has nothing that he needs. He has all the wealth but nobody wants to have, it, have anything to do with him. What good is it if you have all the money in the world but no one to share that with or no one to have good relationship with? Why? Because the only people who wanted anything to do with him were the people that just wanted something from him. And I know there's some people in the room today you feel just like that. I feel like if anybody even knew what was really going on on the inside of you, if you really knew what was facing, if you really knew how things were going, if you really knew what was taking place, Zacchaeus tries to live his best, and here's his best place that he can be, in a place that sometimes feels trapped, feels stuck. Zacchaeus is, is in an area wanting to see Jesus, and, and, and here Jesus says, I'm coming over to your house. Zacchaeus is excited because, number one, someone's given him some attention. No one, one, no one wanted anything to do with him. I mean, do you really think you want something to do with Zacchaeus when he's hired? He, he's one of you. He's, he's Jew like them, but he's hired by the Roman government. And by the Roman government, he needs to collect taxes. They raise taxes, and the only way he can live is when he makes money off of the taxes or raises it high enough to make even more above the taxes. And so he gets the opportunity to gouge people and to take advantage of it, and he creates a lifestyle for himself that now he's stuck in and is living in this place, and now he has no relationships because who wants to be friends with the guy who takes advantage of him? Who wants to be friends with the guy? Hey, Zacchaeus is coming over. Oh, I'm not here. I'm not telling him I'm not home. Why? Because the moment he comes, he's just going to come and take money. He's, there's no relationship 
he's stuck in a place and the only people who really do want to see him is in Rome and they're far away and the only time they come is when they want something from him. Here's Zacchaeus in this place and Jesus finds him in this area and Jesus says, I want to come to your house and I want to eat with you. You see, there's a level of relationship that develops the moment you get to know somebody. I could say to you today, that I, I have, I've heard Laura Bush, and you might say, well, if you've heard Laura Bush, then you're aware of who she is. If you've heard someone, then you're aware of who they are. I might tell you, I've spoken or talked to Laura Bush. That will tell you now that I've acknowledged her. I've been in her presence. I've acknowledged her. But if I told you I've had lunch with Laura Bush, you would be like, oh, they've got that kind of relationship. Now it's a relationship that there's this acceptance. Even in the Jewish culture, when you would have table fellowship, it literally meant acceptance. It meant that you would have mutual acceptance. And so when Jody and I had lunch with Laura Bush, it's because we were at the presidential library and happened to be there the same day she was. She was two tables over. But I still called it like we had lunch with her. I've never talked to her. I have no idea. But we saw her and she ate two tables over from us. And what's my point is if you say to somebody you've had lunch with somebody, all of a sudden the relationship that you've had elevates to a level. I wonder today you've heard of Jesus. You're aware of him. Even today, maybe you've talked to him. And many people, even if they're not religious, have talked to Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Help. But I wonder if you've shared a meal with him. Because it's one thing to be aware of him and to acknowledge him, but then a whole different thing to sit at the table and to accept him to have an acceptance, to recognize, to welcome him in, to come to a place. This is, this is Zacchaeus's opportunity that Jesus wants to come and eat with him. And you say, why is Zacchaeus so excited? Because no one else wanted to give him the time of day. No one else wanted to recognize him. No one else wanted, wanted anything to do with him. And this, this whole aspect of Jesus wanting to meet with us, he wants you and I to have relationship with him. He wants to be in fellowship. He wants to be in relationship. I want you to hear the significance of what Jesus is doing in Zacchaeus' life. Here's number one. Jesus will chase you down. Jesus will chase you down. Now, before he makes it sound like this is a manhunt, that he's coming after you, here's number one. No, he's going to go out of his way for you. Why? Because he's an intercessor. What's the intercessor? Intercessor. An intercessor is someone who stands between or works on behalf of someone's situation or on the needs of someone's, on someone's behalf. He intercedes on our behalf. The Bible says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. He is interceding. He comes to the place, and what better place to find Jesus that he stands between our need and the answer. He comes to our brokenness, to our hurt, to our pain, to our need, and he comes to where we are, and he connects us to the one who is the hope of the world, who, he, he himself, Jesus, but to God the Father, and he stands in the middle. Literally, he was suspended between heaven and earth, hanging on a cross, that he might mediate and be an intercessor between us, that we might have relationship with God all because of what Jesus Christ made possible. He comes to the place of where we are. How desperate, how much does he love you? I want you to know how much he loves you is this. Number one, he's running after you. He's chasing you down. That he's coming to a place that he's chasing after you. He's going out of his way for you. He's going out of his way to find you. We, we read this, and here is Zacchaeus living in Jericho. And while he's in Jericho, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Here's the problem, though. If you look at the, at the map, 
Jesus is in Samaria. He's already doing some works. He's teaching. He's having in a place where he says to his disciples, hey, we're on our way into Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I've got a purpose. This is what I need to do. And along the way, he goes to Jericho. Here's the thing that you got to scratch your head over. He was in Samaria and said, let's go to Jerusalem. But instead of going to Jerusalem, he goes out of the way to Jericho to get to Jerusalem. He took the long way around to get to the place that he needed to be. Why? Because he knew his purpose was to seek and to save the lost, the purpose for which he had. He is all about people, not about places. God's not waiting to love you when you get to the right place. He loves you because of who he created you to be. He's not saying, well, I'll really love them when they finally get their act together, when they reach this place in life, when they come to this place. No, God says, I love them in the place that they are. I'll go to where they are. I'll show up in there. I'll go out of my way to get to them because he loves you and I that much. He's willing to go out of his way. Literally from from Samaria, he could have gone directly south to Jerusalem, but he takes a detour. We think it's a detour, but Jesus knew exactly what he's doing. Why? Because he knew there was a man named Zacchaeus. And he also knew that just outside of Jericho, there would be a man who was alongside the road that in chapter 18, if you go back and read, as Jesus is entering Jericho, right on the outskirts before he gets to Jericho, there's a man on the side of the road who says, son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind. He's crying out to Jesus. Jesus hears him, says, what do you want me to do for you? He says he wants to see. Jesus performs a miracle for this man on the outskirts of Jericho. How many know that by the time that happened there on the outskirts of Jericho, the news had hit, had hit Jericho, and Zacchaeus had heard, there's this man named Jesus who does miracles. I want to see him. I know I won't be able to talk to him. I know I won't be able to touch him. I, they won't even let me in the temple. There's no way I could have any interaction with him, but at least I could maybe just get a glimpse and a sight of Jesus. Maybe I could just see him. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem, and as he's making his way, Zacchaeus tries to see Jesus through the crowd, but no one's letting him in. Nobody wants to let him in. Zacchaeus is he isn't even going to push his way through because he knows he's already not accepted. Who wants him? And the last thing he wants to do is cause a scene in front of this one who's coming by. So he does what he knows best. He goes to one of the many trees that are there in, Jer- in Jericho. And he climbs a sycamore fig tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. He climbs up to this tree just to see this one who is coming by. Because why would this one coming by want anything to do with him? Because remember, he's a chief tax collector. I mean, he's not just one of the tax collectors. He's the chief tax collector. Works for Rome. Takes advantage of people. Lives in this situation. He is in a cursed profession. So cursed that because of what he does, because he is a tax collector taking advantage of people, he's not able to even enter the temple. He's not even able to be in a place of worship. He's already ostracized and seen as a part and and excluded. He has no place among even his own people. It's a hard place when you're stuck somewhere and you just want somebody to notice you, but they won't notice you here, and the only people who notice you there are the ones who who take advantage of you and want something from you, and you're trapped in the middle of trying to find relationship and acceptance because it doesn't matter how much money you have in life. If you don't have love and acceptance, it matters for nothing. Greatest economy or the greatest currency in our world is love and acceptance. That's what every single person wants. That's why there can be great churches. I've been to, I've been to organizational events. I've been around even in community events, and I'll be honest with you. Sometimes our community events create great churches because it's love and acceptance. That's what anybody wants. I just want to know that I matter. I want to know that, 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 that I'm accepted, that, 
that there's a place for me to belong. And, and here's Zacchaeus. I want a place and I'm stuck because they won't accept me because of my profession, what I'm doing. And I don't know any other way to do this. I don't belong there. I don't fit in there. He's stuck. Not only is he in a cursed profession, but he's also in Jericho. Have you ever heard of Jericho before? I mean, if you've been to VBS and you know Zacchaeus was a wee little boy, then a wee little man, you probably also knew Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. I mean, you probably know that too. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but Jericho we hear about in the Old Testament and Zacchaeus lives in Jericho and in, in the book of Genesis, when, when the, or in Exodus as they're moving forth and they're coming across into the area, Joshua then sets them up and now they come into after Exodus into Joshua and as Joshua has created the, the leadership in this place, he takes them into the promised land and while they're in the promised land, there are people in the city of Jericho and God says, I'm gonna give that city into your hands and so this is the one where they walk around Jericho and they obey God and they do what God says and the walls fall down and they're able to take the city. God gives them that. Joshua speaks this word in Joshua chapter six. He says, cursed is the man who rebuilds the city of Jericho. There's a curse spoken over Jericho. And in fact, it comes to be that in King Ahab's day, which King Ahab was married to queen, to the queen who was the, the queen Jezebel. And if you've ever been called Jezebel as a nickname, get a new one. That's not good. Ahab was married to Jezebel. She was evil. She wanted to kill God's people, his prophets. She was an evil person, just so, so carnal and set in her own ways. And Ahab, who could have been a good king, bought in. How many know you hang around the wrong people? Dude, you'll go tumbling down. It's the people you surround yourself. You, you're, you're influenced in who you are. It's, it's made up of the people around you. Ahab connects with, with Jezebel. Jezebel, of course, has this, this issue, this condition. Wouldn't it make sense that in the moment when this rises, when Ahab and Jezebel are like, who, what God, who cares? We'll do our own thing. All of a sudden, someone starts to, be, to rebuild Jericho, which was fulfilled in the days of Ahab, that the person, H-E-I-L, you can make up however you want to say that, he built the walls and rebuilt Jericho, and the Bible says it was at the expense of his first and his last son, just like Joshua said, because whoever builds the city. This is where Zacchaeus is living. He's living in a place that has a cursed profession in a cursed town. And to top it off, Jesus finds him at the top of a sycamore fig tree, which symbolism and the fig tree literally represents this. It is the place of curse because it's man's best effort to do what only God can do. It goes all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat. And the Bible says that when they did, they sinned and they rebelled against God the moment they realized they were naked. So because they knew they were naked, they went and they made fig leaves or made clothes out of fig leaves. They took fig leaves to try and cover up their nakedness. And how many realize that only God can cover up your nakedness? Only he can, can hide and only he can cover and restore and do the work. They tried to do what God was supposed to do in their life. And so they took from the fig tree to do in their own effort. And God said, that doesn't work. And instead, he brought an animal. And the Bible says that there was a sacrifice, the first sacrifice that would have been made on their behalf. And the skin from that animal became the clothes that they wore. And here in the New Testament, Jesus curses a fig tree that doesn't produce fruit. The fig tree represents man's best effort to do what only God can do in our life. It's a place of cursing. Why? Because we naturally in ourselves are born into a cursed world. How many know that? We're born into a world that's fallen. We, we're curses around us. When, when I say curse, what I mean by that is a place of, of, of degradation, of, of falling apart. There is darkness that's around us. 
You say, well, can't you preach about something better? Oh, it is good. Darkness fills the earth, but the light of the world came, and his name is Jesus. That is the good news. That's what we have. There is, no, there is no light without Jesus Christ. We live in darkness. We live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world of pain, of sin, of, of frustration, of disappointment, of taking advantage, of evil. We live in a world. This is where we are. And Zacchaeus is living in a place with a cursed profession in a cursed city standing or at the top of a tree that is cursed. Jesus finds him in the place of this curse and this area that surrounds him. And Zacchaeus wants to get out but doesn't know how. Doesn't know how. I'll give this a shot. I'll give this a try. I'm limited. I don't have anything. Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with me. All of a sudden, Jesus comes along and says, hey, I want to come over to your house today. Zacchaeus comes down and is excited. The Bible says with joy and excitement, I guess so, because somebody finally called him by name. I wonder if anybody even knew his name. Because when you're the tax collector, you don't really want to care to know any more than that's all I need to know. When you're the one that takes advantage of people, I don't, I don't need to know. I don't want to know. Jesus comes by the spot, and Jesus goes out of his way. Here's the awesome thing of Jesus, that Jesus shows up in the place that is a, a cursed area, a difficult area, and he looks at Zacchaeus. I want you to know Jesus is going out, his, out of his way to find you today. He'll chase you down. He's chasing you down with the love of God. He's chasing you down. But when you realize that his love chases you down, you got to realize as well, number two is this, that Jesus is calling you out. He's calling you out from that place of where you are at the top of that tree, that area. He's calling him out. You know what I don't, I don't recognize or I don't see when I read this text? Is that Jesus never said to Zacchaeus, okay, now stop being a tax collector. He never even said to him, now you got to leave Jericho. You notice that? Because sometimes I, I meet people and like, they give their heart to Jesus and all of a sudden they feel like they need to change their whole world. Like you got to get new friends. Well, you might have to get new friends, but don't get rid of your friends. Just love Jesus and your friends will either follow, follow or they'll get rid of you. You, you don't have to get rid of people. You don't, have to, you don't all of a sudden have to stop doing what you were doing. No, keep doing what you were doing, but do it in a way that you didn't do it before. Allow the, trans, the transformation and the change. You, you might, yeah, there's some things you might have to change and quit doing, but you don't have to change all of that right now. You just per, pursue Jesus, run after him. He'll take care of the change and the direction. He'll lead your life. He'll bring you to that place of transformation that when we surrender, that he's calling you out. Maybe today he's calling you out of that, that place of, of, of just complacency of where you've been. You're hanging out at the top of the tree and you're content just having a look at Jesus why be content having to look at Jesus when he says I want to spend time with you I want to sit at the table I want to commune I want to be with you he's calling you out number three number three is this is that he's changing your past he's changing your past because your past condition is that you took advantage of people Zacchaeus in this case Zacchaeus was at a place of, of taking advantage of, of those that were around him. And, and here he's changing his past. And, and what I love is Jesus is, is interacting with him. And Zacchaeus says these words to Jesus. Zacchaeus says, Lord, I will give back whatever I've taken. And if I have stolen from someone, I'll give back everything that's owed. And if I've stolen from them, I'll give them four times. I'll return four times as much to them. Notice who Zacchaeus is speaking to. He's speaking to Jesus and not to the people. Because sometimes here's the danger with some of our conversion. We talk to people 
instead of talking to God. It's not conversion when you're like, uh, hey, everybody, <clears throat> I'd like to announce to you that I'm going to do this and on your behalf. How many know that when you tell it for people to see, all of a sudden that really isn't conversion. You're just trying to get on, turn things around and make things. That's called manipulation. And sometimes we come to Jesus, and, and I hope you hear the heart of this. Sometimes we can come to Jesus, and instead of fully surrendering to Jesus, we can just use Jesus as another chip on the table to try and work our way and get something out of it. That's dangerous. I want, I want things to work in my life, so I'm gonna, let me see if I can use Jesus to make that work. If I can see if this relationship and work this out and make this work. No, it's only when we come to a total surrender to say, my life is yours. And this is the difference. Zacchaeus didn't stand up to everybody and say, hey, everybody, I want you to know I'm a new man. I'm going to change. He said to Jesus, hey, I'm going to give back. And he spoke to Jesus. And how many know he didn't have to say it to the world? He just had to demonstrate it. It became what he did. Your conversion, or how do you quiet the crowds that are displeased when they say he's gone to be a friend of a tax collectors and sinners? How do you quiet the crowd of people who speak against you? It's by the way you live. You don't have to say a word. Just let your life speak for itself. Just let your life speak for itself. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to speak to that. You, you speak to, to, to God, to, to the Lord, and what this purpose is, what this change is that he's bringing in your life, that you allow this change to come about. Have you been converted? Because here's the thing, that you can't change or come to a relationship with Jesus Christ without change. John the Baptist said these words to those he was baptizing, and the Pharisees came along, and he says to the Pharisees, he calls them, you brood of vipers. You're, you're harmful. You're dangerous. And then he gives them instruction. He says, you don't need your religious rules. He said, just practice repentance or the fruit with keeping with repentance. Let your life be like a fruit that keeps in line with repentance. Let repentance be the fruit of your life. Let your life come into order. You don't have to have all the religion and all the, all the stuff and all the rules. You just need to have a life that's been impacted in relationship with Jesus, that you now have a life of change that let repentance, the fruit of repentance, come out of your life. I don't need to tell somebody I got saved. They'll probably see it when I start living the way I'm supposed to live. I don't have to say Jesus came into my life. There's nothing wrong with saying Jesus came into my life. But it is something wrong with saying Jesus came into my life and never changing. That's something wrong. That's a problem. But I don't have to say Jesus came into my life. It's the fruit of repentance. It lines up. And here's Zacchaeus. He says, I'm going to give, I'm going to, give to, the, to those that I've taken and four times as much. I don't know what Zacchaeus was thinking. Because if you go to the law in Leviticus chapter 5, if you take something from somebody, you give back what you took, and then 20% above that is what you give to make things right. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give four times. What? I mean, he went overboard. He went above and beyond. And I wonder if he went above and beyond because he came to the place that he realized what he had on the table did not matter because what mattered more is who was at his table. I wonder if he came to a place and he said, yeah, I've got money on my table, but that doesn't mean anything compared to what is at the seat at my table. I wonder if what was on the table no longer became as important as who was sitting beside him and at the table. You know what it's like when there's some people at your table and you don't even know if you know that they're at your table because they're on their phone or they got other stuff going on at the table. How many know what I'm talking about? That there's other things happening and we got distraction. I've got stuff on the table that I can't even focus on who's at my table. And I wonder if Zacchaeus said, I'll give four 
four times what I've taken because this doesn't matter to me anymore because someone who accepts me and sits at my table is worth more to me than anything else in this world. I wonder if Jesus has become that for you and I. Sometimes we live our lives putting everything on the table. I got to get the table set. You got your plate so full. You got your table set. What good is you got your table set, but there's nobody sitting at the table. And what matters is the one you go, you know what? He'll come to your house, not because you've got something good to offer. He'll come to your house because all he wants is to be with you. That's how much he loves you. He wants to come to your house. Yeah, but do you know I'm the chief tax collector? No, I know who you are. And I don't love you because of what you've done. I love you because of who you are. Because I can redeem you. He can bring change in our lives. And this change happens. Let me tell you why this change is so important. Because we know that Jesus can change us. And I already said, I don't read here that, that Zacchaeus quit being a tax collector. And I don't read that he had to leave Jericho. And that's important because oftentimes we allow ourselves to be subject to our surroundings or to be affected because, well, I'd really love for, I'd really give my life for Jesus, but man, the world we live in. Quit giving credit to the circumstances and things that are around us. Quit quit calling these things because the one who is in you is greater than what's around you. You might still live in Jericho. Yeah, Jericho's a cursed place and a fallen place. But you know what? You live in a cursed place, but there's one who's anointed, who sits at your table, and the anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. The anointing breaks the curse. The one who sits at my table is greater. Yeah, I live in a fallen world. Yeah, there's disappointment. Yeah, there's all this stuff that's around me. But every morning I wake up and I get to sit with the one who is the bread of life. And I get to take in the bread that is life to me. I get to spend time with the one who is worthy. Greater is he that is in me. You see, what we need is allow this word to get in our heart. And when we commune with God, it changes the way we live in our world. Zacchaeus, I believe, became a changed man, obviously. If you're going to give away four times as what you've taken from somebody, how many know Jesus got a hold of your heart to do that? I mean, when you're the guy who's collecting, taking advantage of, of other people, and all of a sudden Jesus gets a hold of your heart, and you're like, I'm giving it up. It doesn't matter. What I have on the table doesn't matter compared to the one who's sitting at my table. He wants to change your past. Here's the last thing. He wants to, Jesus will confirm, he's confirming your future. I love what he says to Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to this house today. Now, you and I hear that and we're like, oh, that's nice. But when Zacchaeus heard that, the weight was taken off his shoulders. I don't have to live in this regret of what I've been because Jesus has saved me and washed away my past. I am made new The old is gone. I am made new in Christ. He confirms my future. He says this, that today salvation has come to this house. And this is truly a son of Abraham. I love that he says truly a son of Abraham. Because the Pharisees would be like, well, he is a son of Abraham. He's a Jew. No, Jesus said, no, 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 no. A true son. Not just son by lineage, but son by placement and by anointing. He's a true son. Do you know when you become true, there's no demon. 
there's nothing on this earth that can separate you from the love of God because you belong to Jesus there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God the enemy's keeping some of us in captive because we feel like we can easily lose our salvation can I tell you you're going to have to work hard to get away from Jesus because he's not going to let go of you so easily I grew up in church love it I gotta be honest with you I grew up around some legalism and no one tried to do that to me but I grew up around better just get your act together if you don't get your act together ah, gotta walk just right I mean to the point that even into my early 20s I would carry this fear sometimes like God I got to do the exact right thing because if I don't do the exact right thing you're not gonna bless me until he had to break free in my early 30s actually as I was coming here to be the pastor Jason, you got to know my grace is bigger than you think it is. Can I tell you that God didn't open my eyes until I had to come and lead you guys? Because when I came here, I'm like, God, I can't do this. God, I missed it. God, I don't know how. God, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And God said, you're right. You're not. He said, God, I made the wrong choice. I did something wrong. No, no. He said, my grace is sufficient. You got to know my grace. You got to know my love for you. Religion doesn't know the love for Jesus. Religion knows, I know the rules. I know the right way to do it. I know you shouldn't do that. Don't do that. And you didn't do this right. Oh, oh. how many know that's bondage? Oh, that's burden. Jesus says, no, I know you live in a place of curse. And I know you're in a tree right now because you don't want to deal with the people. And I know you're doing your best. And I know right where you are. And I'm coming right where you are. And I'm looking at you. And I'm calling you out of your brokenness because I don't want to leave you where I found you. I want to move you into the purpose that I have for your life. That I want you to know me intimately. The grace of God. The grace of God. He has a hope and a future. He wants to give you and I a confidence. And I pray today that we would allow a relationship with Jesus to give us a future. He's got something for you. The curse is broken. Let me me read in Galatians chapter 3. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus. Listen to what it says in in chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, let, let me just say to you, we know what it is to break the law. Because the whole law thing, you gotta be just perfect. You live under the bondage, you gotta do it just right. But grace takes that away. How many of you have ever broken the speed limit? And it's in you. And I know some of you are like, no, I stay within that five mile per hour buffer. That's still breaking the rule. That's called grace. You broke the rule. Do you know what it's like that when you live with that tension and all of a sudden there's a car that comes up behind you and you think it's a cop car and you're like, oh. And you're watching the needle or if it's digital or whatever, you're like, stay within, stay within. And you're like focused on, how many know what I'm talking about? You're like, okay, where am I? What? And you're focused on that. 
why you're trying to stay within and how many know the weight and the burden that you're focused you know how the problem is now all of a sudden you're more focused about what you're doing that you lose sight of what's around you you live in the burden you don't even know the joy to take in what's around you because you're just taking in all of this and some of us have gotten with that burden and we don't know the joy of just loving Jesus of being in his presence it's not pressure receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not difficult it's not work it's not pressure it's just receiving from God just receiving his love it's not work it's not difficult it's just spending time with him and receiving and taking in what he gives you today is grace it's sufficient it's spending time with him on a regular basis the law puts on a pressure listen what it says but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse for all of our wrongdoings. How many are thankful that Jesus took the curse of all of our wrongdoings? For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Notice he says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Do you know what that means? That means Jesus, what we just read. Jesus became cursed for us that we might have freedom in him. He took the curse. He broke the curse. He overcame the curse. Zacchaeus climbed a tree just to get some eyes on Jesus. But Jesus climbed a tree so that he could spend eternity and live with Zacchaeus forever. Jesus climbed a whole different tree so that he might give his life to spend eternity with you and I. Oh, that you would know how much God loves you. That you would know his grace that is for you. That you would know that his anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. You don't have to live in the trap any longer. You don't have to live in the curse of what's around you because the one who is anointed, the one they called the Messiah, the one who they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The one who they called the Christ, who is the anointed one, who is the one who comes in power and in promise. His anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin and because of the cross of Jesus Christ, the curse is broken you say okay that's great that, that that's preaching but what's that matter what that matters is when the enemy tells me I have no reason to have joy I can say no the curse is broken my joy is not in my circumstance I can believe and have joy because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross I don't have joy because of my circumstances I have joy because of the one in whom I have believed and have put my trust in the anointing of Jesus Christ you say well but my, but my marriage my situation no but in Jesus name even though it might be in one condition in one place I'm not living according to my circumstances I'm living in the hope that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus yes I live in a broken world yes there's curses that are around me yes I'm affected by a cursed world but I'm affected even more by the anointing of the one who lives inside of me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world all because Jesus climbed a tree and got to see 
not just take a look at me, but he entered my world and he says, now I'm creating a place for you. I came to your house and you let me in, but one day you're gonna come to my house and when the time is right, I'm gonna come and get you so that where I am, there you may be also. He climbed a tree so that he could spend eternity with you and I and all because of the cross, the curse is broken. We are set free.